Okay, everybody rejoice. It's like, shouldn't we know why? Somebody says rejoice, yay. It's like, okay, I rejoice, what do I do now? Yeah, this is Gaudete Sunday, Sunday of rejoicing, and there should be a reason to rejoice. It's just like somebody says, we're going to have a party. What's the reason? I don't know. We're just going to have a party. There should be a reason. And St. Paul, when he calls the people to rejoice, explains the reason they're rejoicing. Everybody needs to be reminded. You know, we're human beings, and we're all going to pay attention to the things going on in front of us and forget what is true and real and lasting and then we get caught up in the things of the world and we're not rejoicing. So, we need to be reminded that there is cause for rejoicing. Not just this time of year, but every day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Why? Because, well, because of Jesus, of course, and that says a lot. It's his whole life, his whole being, everything he is, everything he did and everything he said is cause for rejoicing. And even before Jesus, there was cause for rejoicing. In Zephaniah, we hear them to call for rejoicing. And in the end, we hear that God rejoices. God is singing over his people. And it's not at the beginning of the book of Zephaniah. I saw it was chapter 3. I said, it sounds kind of early. Then I looked, and there are only three chapters in Zephaniah, so it's at the end. So what has happened before? There was something done. The people were not faithful to God's commandments and were doing their own thing and making up their own commandments. And the prophet comes and calls them back to the commandments of God. And we've then so, then is the cause for rejoicing because the people had repented. They were one with God again and there was cause for rejoicing. It is what God desired. God did not come to destroy them but to save them. And so he sent his prophets to preach to them that they may recall the goodness of God, all that he had done and all that he promised to those who were faithful, so that the people might be faithful again, and that they might acquire the hope that they had before if they had lost it. And after having hope, pours forth the charity, which is the result of faith and hope. They are the theological virtues, not something just to be studied and memorized, not to write papers about, but to live in our lives, to have them be uh, something that we look at our lives and we look, how is our faith? If we look at our hope, that tells us what our faith is like. If we are hopeful and we long for tomorrow, we long for the coming of Christ, then we have true faith. But if our faith does not have hope with it, that tomorrow is not going to be any better, then our faith is small. And when that is small, then our love is small, our charity is small. But we are called to faith to recall what God has done to us. He reveals himself that he may give us hope, that when we hear his good news, it is the promise of hope, so that we believe more deeply in God, then our hope is greater. And then we begin to do what we should do. St. John the Baptist has just baptized many people from many walks of life. We have tax collectors, we have soldiers, we have, you know, whomever. And they've just been baptized, and they say, because they believed in what he said. In faith, they were baptized to a baptism of repentance for the hope of the forgiveness that is to come. And their repentance, they say to him, what should we do now? And that's a wonderful question. Those who have repented are saying, what do we do with this? And they're trying to do the right thing. So, you know, one of the things they want to do is direct their gratitude toward John the Baptist, but he says, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. 
So put that out of your mind. I'm not even close to him. But they know well, what do we do? And uh, they say, well, to everyone, he says, if you have two cloaks, give one to somebody that doesn't have one. Doesn't sound like it's a difficult thing to understand. There are people that have many things and they don't realize how much they have and they don't realize how much uh, little others have. I was, uh, I was just the other day visiting uh, the home of one of my godchildren. I remember when the, uh, the, par- the mother was telling me that they cleaned out the coat, coat closet. It's right as you come in the garage door before you go in the kitchen. She said, do you know how many coats we had in there? 56. 50, well, go home, you might not be surprised. There were 56 coats in there. And so I said that the other day. She said, we might be getting close to that again. We don't realize that we accumulate things or we don't get rid of things. And, and getting rid of, the rid of things can be just giving to someone else that doesn't have any. It's not that hard a thing to do. If we stop and think about it and we look to see what we have, when we look to see what we have, we're doing it to be thankful to God. And then we see how generous he was. It's like, well, I can be generous too. That's the charity aspect of the uh, theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. The uh, tax collectors, he said to them, uh, to be honest, not to take something seems like a good thing to do. Uh, to the soldiers, uh, to be kind to people, to uh, be happy with what you have, to recognize that you have might be a wonderful thing instead of comparing what you have to what others have. Well, if you look what you have and you're thankful to God, then you'll have that joy, the joy which we are all called to have. It's the ultimate thing that we are trying to do in this season of Advent, is to prepare in anticipation of the coming of Christ. It is our hope. It is what our faith has brought us to. And as we're preparing, we are turning from our sins, just like everybody does at the beginning of the book, and at the end of the book there's rejoicing. So we have not repented, then we have that opportunity. We have a penitent service Monday night. And that way, we can have true cause for rejoicing, just as they did in the book of the prophet Zephaniah, in the times when St. Paul was preaching to his people. So that knowing that they have the love of God, and they have embraced it, and they are loving God back as he wants, then they can love others with that love which comes uh, from faith and that hope. So we uh, look for that. We anticipate that we can share this love, that we have that hope and the promise that comes with it that God is preaching about, that here we have faith and we have hope, then what are we to do? We are to love. It goes around full circle. It starts with the love of God, which brings us faith, which brings us hope, which brings us love to our neighbor, which increases our love for God. So what do we do? That's the question. We look at our lives. We can look around at what we have and be grateful. We can look at our excesses and share with others. And we can look and open our eyes to Christ who is around us, who that we may serve. Because he's always out there, and especially this time of year, there are always opportunities of charity to share the love that we have so that we might grow in love, not have less. Because when we love as God wants us to, if we are charitable, then the love increases, it doesn't increase. There's no, nothing else in the world that works like that, that the more we give, the more we get. So as we grow closer to the day in which we celebrate the birth of Christ and the anticipation of his coming, let us remember what we should do, which gives glory to God, 
which increases our faith, our hope, and our love.